0: Hello, and welcome. I'm your host, Broadsword, and we are here today to talk about DC Comics. This week, for the inaugural episode, we're starting out with Justice Society of America, Volume 4, Number 8, cover dated February 2024. So, if you haven't read that issue yet, please do so before listening to this podcast, otherwise you'll be pretty confused. Today is January 2nd, 2024, and this is the DC Comics History Cast. Let's go! By way of introduction, this is not an attempt to tell you what to read. That's already being done elsewhere, and done well. Nor is it an attempt to review comic books. I'm here just to help you fill in the gaps in your knowledge so that you get the most enjoyment possible out of your readings of DC's comic books. Every week, I will take one book from DC's output for that week and break down anything you might need to know about the characters, references, and events in that issue. Advance warning, there are sure to be spoilers. So, the Justice Society of America. You may already know that the Justice Society, or JSA for short, was the first superhero team published in comic books way back in All-Star Comics Volume 1, Number 3. Cover dated winter 1940. At that first meeting of the team, the membership consisted of mystical powerhouse Dr. Fate, Kent Nelson, the super strong and agile Our Man, Rex Tyler, The Mysterious Sandman, Wesley Dodds, or Dodd. I've seen it both ways. Uh, The Speedy Flash, Jay Garrick. Ring-wielding Green Lantern, Alan Scott. Brutal Winged Hawkman, Carter Hall. The Ghostly Specter, Jim Corrigan. And the Diminutive Adam, Al Pratt. Also attending the meeting were the Golden Age Johnny Thunder with his Thunderbolt, who was depicted as Blue in that 1940 issue, and in a fun cameo, the Golden Age Red Tornado, Ma Hunkel. That issue, All-Star Comics number 3, features a famous cover by E.E. E. Hibbard that has been recreated many times over throughout DC's history because of its iconic status, as well as its sheer and utter magnificence. You might recognize some of the names as being related to hero names currently appearing in the Justice Society comic book, if not the exact same characters themselves, such as is the case with Green Lantern and The Flash. Yes, Alan Scott and Jay Garrick are still fighting the good fight in 2024 as part of the JSA, alongside several other younger heroes. Now, a quick primer for those of you who don't know. Alan Scott was DC's first character to bear the name Green Lantern. He's blonde and wears a costume that is, by today's standards, a little garish. Red shirt, green pants, purple and green cape. He's a far cry from the black and green garbed, sci-fi inspired superhero who has appeared in movies, cartoons, and other properties from DC. Alan Scott was originally created in 1940 by Bill Finger and Martin O'Dell. And I once read that he was going to be named Alan Ladd, but his creators thought that that name sounded unrealistic, which is funny, because there was a real actor in the real world who went by that name. For a few years, Alan was missing from DC's publications, as the company was seemingly trying to distance itself from the Golden Age characters. But, in 2011, writer James Robinson reintroduced Alan as a major, openly homosexual superhero. In the original Multiverse, so back before the original Crisis on Infinite Earths, which came out in 1985, Alan's adventures took place on what was then known as Earth-2, even though they had superheroes first. But he now lives and works on DC's Earth-Prime. He is the father to two grown children, Jenny Lynn Hayden, who is a superhero named Jade, and Todd Rice, who operates under the superhero moniker Obsidian. Alan is potentially one of the most powerful superheroes living today, and is one of my all-time faves. So the issue starts out in Russia with a demonstration of the new Red Lantern's abilities. Based on what I see here, as well as what I have read elsewhere... This Red Lantern is not related to Atrocitus and his bunch, who represent rage on the emotional spectrum. Rather, this Red Lantern, a.k.a. Ruby Sokov, possesses and uses a ring that functions more like a traditional Green Lantern's ring, making constructs and laser beams and so on. There also seems to be an analog to Alan's Green Flame, a crimson fire that spouts from Ruby's ring, making her more closely related to the Golden Age GL than to modern ring bearers of the DC Universe. It should be noted that Ruby's father was also a villainous Red Lantern in 1948 of the latest continuity. Now, even if you're a longtime fan of the JSA like I am, this is relatively new to you. Um... It also seems that in Alan's solo series, Ruby's father and Alan were lovers back in the 1940s. So that's another wrinkle to this story. Following this sequence in Russia, we move to the headquarters of the JSA where we see the modern-day team made up of Jakeem Thunder, Master of the Thunderbolt, now in its right pink, Stargirl, Courtney Whitmore, heir to the Starman legacy. Super intelligent Mr. Terrific 2, Michael Holt, Huntress, Helena Wayne, time displaced daughter of Bruce, Batman Wayne, and Selena, Catwoman Kyle, and a newer hero named Salem the Witch Girl, who first appeared in the Stargirl and the Lost Children miniseries that came out right before this Justice Society series started. We also see the old guard consisting of Alan Scott, now sporting a rather stylish beard, and Jay Garrick. We are treated to a discussion between the JSA members on the identity of the Red Lantern, before the action shifts once more to Russia, where we bear witness to a cool fight between Ruby and Alan, who has flown over in the meantime. We then move back to the Brownstone, the JSA's headquarters, and a thought-provoking mention of Kyle Knight, five-year-old son of Jack Knight, former Starman. Let me tell you that if you don't know Jack Knight, rush out right now to your local comic book store and pick up as many issues as you can carry of James Robinson's tenure as writer on the book titled Starman. It is one of my favorite comic books of all time, and it's the number one reason I'm a huge fan of James Robinson. Also, that Starman series featured some truly dynamic covers from Tony Harris, who contributed a lovely variant for the current issue of Justice Society of America, which is our subject this week. I should also add here that the Harlequin's son mentioned on this page is in no way connected to the Joker's well-known former sidekick, Harley Quinn. Instead, this character is a reference to Molly Maine, the original Harlequin created in 1947 as a villain, and who later reformed and married Alan Scott. Moving back to the story, we then see a conversation between Alan and Ruby and, as they fly away, this issue's big reveal occurs when we see a character that appears to be Pharaoh Lad from the Legion of Superheroes watching them from a distance. For the record, the Legion of Superheroes is a group of adventurers in the 30th or 31st centuries created for Adventure Comics number 247 in April of 1958 by Otto Binder and Al Plastino and is one of DC's most beloved, if obscure, properties. Okay, now that we've got that out of the way, let's move to the second portion of our podcast, where I interview a comic fan who is not as well-versed as some of the people who have been reading comics their whole lives. So let me introduce Bethany. So Bethany, what did you think of this issue?
1: Um, I'm not real familiar with the new stuff. Um, mostly, it's because the things that have changed. Um, you know, I always have problems with the the multiverses and the, the the different crises, and so I'm not really sure where we're at in this story as far as the world in this comic book. Is this the current world, and is this world like the result of a a different timeline? Like, is this an offshoot timeline? Or was this a result of all the prior history being completely erased and this is what we have now? So not really sure about that. Maybe you could help me out with that.
0: Good question. Um, where we are right now is pretty much a, a reboot um, picking up with DC Rebirth. So we had the New 52 where everything was started from scratch basically with with a, a couple of things r- retained from the prior universe and then dc decided to try to bring back some of the things they had lost like wally west as the flash and the justice society and some of the legacy stuff like that so basically this is the starting point here is dc rebirth instead of thinking of it as different think of it as being Focused.
1: So, I mean, is that basically what you do when you're reading reading these new comics? Unless it states something different, you're going to assume it's the same
0: history? Pretty much. I don't think that they want their readers to be confused. So I, I think that unless you hear otherwise, assume that what you already know is right.
1: We had the Crisis on Infinite Earths. So that is originally what took it out of the multiverse and into just the single Earth. Yes. Because apparently that happened. We don't actually have a multiverse right now.
0: The multiverse is back as a result of Dark Crisis.
1: Are they doing this comeback of the multiverse the same way they did the other comeback of the multiverse?
0: To answer that question briefly, yes. Because we already see, like, from Doomsday Clock, which I think you read, the Justice Society came back as a result of Doomsday Clock.
1: Okay, uh, what's her name? Stargirl? Did she have her staff in this issue? Yes. Okay, so she got that staff from Jack. Did that still happen?
0: I would say yes. We know that Jack Knight was Starman because, remember, Kyle Knight, his son was mentioned in this issue.
1: I guess what really confuses me about all this is we can't just assume that these are different timelines.
0: It's Because they're not different timelines. Don't think of it as a timeline. Think of it as time being restarted.
1: It's easier for me to think of it. As it's just a completely different timeline, though, because then it all makes sense to me. When we're talking about rebooting it and redoing it and it's done over, so this never happened. I'm like that to me does not compute. That that's where I get really. Lonely. Well,
0: it's it's important to remember that time was restarted. And I'll give you an example um, with Crisis on Infinite Earths. Before that, Clark Kent had been working as Superboy in Smallville. Right. After the first crisis, he was never S- Super Bowl, but it had repercussions because they had to ex- re-explain the Legion of Superheroes and the Time Chopper made that pocket Earth. Um, yeah, which is where he kept... Uh... Where there was a Super Bowl right. and where the Legion was.
1: Right. It was just a little pocket. Yeah, yeah just a
0: little pocket timeline. Now that was a separate timeline.
1: But it makes more sense to me. I can go, oh, yeah, it was a separate timeline. There's a little pocket timeline. Yeah, that and that's was where a separate happened. timeline. Yes. See, I can put it in a nice little box. And this stuff, you know, where you've got restarts, it's like these things never happen, but they did happen. You know, it's, it's, it really, but I did like seeing Alan Scott and I did like seeing Jake Eric.
0: Yeah, that's always a treat. Because, isn't
1: it? yeah, because they're they are two of my favorites. I love the like, JSA. Me too, me too.
0: Me
1: too. I am curious, though, about like, how the the Red Lantern came to be without another Red Lantern bringing her into the fold?
0: Well, I, I think that it was a creation by Russia, an attempt by them to make another superhero.
1: Did she have a ring? Yeah, Maybe? she, had a, she ring. had a ring. But so why have a ring unless they were trying to create a lantern of their own?
0: Yes, that's what I think they were doing.
1: Okay, okay, that's, and they, that's, that's so,
0: what I understand.
1: So they just followed the course of well. Lanterns have rings, so this is what... But does the ring give her any power?
0: Oh, for sure. You didn't see that?
1: Yeah, I saw her using it. Yeah. But could that be more of a focus? Like, Alan doesn't get his powers from the ring.
0: You're right. You're right about that.
1: They're within him. So if she's getting her powers from her father, then they should be innate within her.
0: I don't think she's getting the power from her father. I think she got the ring from her father.
1: Ah. Okay. Well, that's a different... That's a different animal altogether.
0: Well, it's more like what we're... Because remember, originally, Alan did not have the star heart within him. That happened after using it for...
1: For so many years. Freaking
0: 80 years or something.
1: Right. That's true.
0: Cause, but when, when he first got the ring, he was just uh, like... I don't want to say like any other Green Lantern, because there were some subtle differences. But he was, he was just like a Green Lantern that relied on his ring, and it was not internal.
1: Right, I remember that. He just found the lantern, right?
0: hmm yes.
1: Okay. And the lantern was the Starheart. The lantern was powered by the Starheart, let's say that. It was powered by the Starheart. So that's... So where was the Starheart all that time?
0: In outer space.
1: Okay, okay. I just wanted to know where it was. I'm yeah. like, wait a minute. We know about the Salem witch chick because she was in that issue with Stargirl, right? In that
0: Lost Children. That
1: Lost Children issue. Mini-series. Mini-series. Now, Huntress, that was interesting because she's from
0: another. Now, she is from another timeline.
1: Okay. Another timeline, but not a different planet in the multiverse.
0: No. She's from another timeline. Okay. And because.
1: Now, this timeline that she's a part of sounds like what was Earth 2's history. With uh, Batman and Catwoman,
0: or there is are this, some similarities. There are some I don't similarities. Think, I don't think it's exactly the same, but it's a moot point because she's already done things to cause that timeline to be undone, so it, it never happened. Now it never
1: happened, except she's she's proof there, that that it lost happened. in time. She, she's, she's stranded in time. She's stranded in time. It's it's interesting that she can just disappear when she accidentally.
0: I don't think it was accidental. I think she, she came back to set things right, and she did that.
1: Ah. Uh, it's still interesting, it's interesting though. though. that she
0: didn't disappear.
1: Yeah, it's interesting yes. that she didn't disappear, because she kind of never existed.
0: Right. But here she is. Right.
1: I mean, she could be... Uh, that alone could be a power. <laughs> you know? Well,
0: there are, <laughs> I mean, there, are, there are heroes who are immune to changes in the timeline.
1: I mean, well, I'm thinking, you know, really... She doesn't really exist, so I wonder what they're going to do with her. So it's funny to me that they write them with the same kind of personalities that they've always had in all the histories, really. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that is interesting. Uh, they don't actually go out of their way to really uh muck about with personalities and, you know, principles and basic. Uh, I like
0: that. That they don't change stuff like that.
1: I do like the beard.
0: Yeah, it's cool, huh? I like the beard. I like
1: the beard. That's a nice touch. Yeah, I like the beard on Alan. Huntress is interesting because she's not quite the same type of character that was originally in Earth Two. She's not quite as quite as confident, maybe, or Yeah, she does they're doing a good job of making her seem a little lost. She doesn't appear to be as violent.
0: The violent thing I think is more of a remnant from the huntress that that was around on New Earth which was the the singular Earth from before in Infinite Crisis. Okay. The the bird of prey huntress? Yeah. She was the one that was super violent.
1: Okay, so I get I get her mixed up with
0: I don't th- I don't I mean I guess Hunter's had a violent streak in her like Helena Wayne I'm talking about. Yeah, but
1: she wasn't but She wasn't quite as so.
0: brutal as as Right, she Bertinelli. wasn't as
1: brutal. And then Salem Witch I have no idea what her story is whatsoever.
0: Apparently before she was removed from the timeline, she was Dr. Fate's sidekick.
1: Okay, when did when was she removed from the timeline? <laughs>
0: You need to read Stargirl and the Lost Children. <laughs> yeah,
1: I need to read Stargirl and the Lost Children.
0: Because <laughs> that, that explains a lot about, about that whole thing.
1: Okay, so that's on my list. Okay. Um, she seems a little sullen.
0: I'm not a big fan. Yeah. Because she, she has that attitude.
1: Yeah, she's, she seems a little sullen. Um, and how about... Uh, I'm excited about uh, Pharaoh. Pharaoh.
0: Yeah, Pharaoh Lad?
1: Yeah. Yeah, um,
0: no kidding. I'm super stoked about that.
1: Although he looks really different as far as what he's wearing. Um, I think
0: he's wearing, like, undercover Yeah, and that's
1: what I was thinking, too. I don't think that's his... Pro- I mean, that's not could, his
0: costume, I don't think. I mean, maybe it is. It is. But,
1: uh, yeah, it's super exciting to see him. Yeah. And um, which means, you know, that obviously he said Legionnaire out. So, obviously, the Legionnaire's are in the works or, and I wonder how they're going to explain the legionnaires and what are they doing in this time? You know, because they obviously came back in time.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. He he talks about time travel. Anything else you want to add before I wrap it up?
1: Trying to to think. Um, They got the round table, just like the original justice society. I love that. I
0: love that. Such a nice touch. I want to say thanks to Bethany for joining me today. And uh, we'll see if we can make this a regular thing on the podcast. If you have any questions, make sure you uh email us at broadsword4242 at gmail.com and we'll see you next week.